So it's great to see you all here on this 14th Pentecost that we have celebrated here at St. John of Shanghai Orthodox Church. It was, uh, liturgically speaking, uh, I guess 13 years ago today, that uh, we started meeting here in this location and, ce- and celebrating the Divine Liturgy. Um, and so it seems to me that this is uh, maybe a good time for us to think about why we are here. My fav- one of my favorite questions <laughs> to, to, that we, I feel like we should always be asking ourselves as we come and show up for the Divine Liturgy, uh, why are we here? What is the point of what we are doing? Uh, and uh, I think it's all the more relevant in this current uh, the, the current condition of our society uh, and in, in, in the way that this particular feast, this great feast of Pentecost, speaks into uh, what our society is experiencing. Uh, our society at this point is fairly, uh, at, at sometimes fairly acrimoniously divided, just like it was in that early day, in that first Pentecost. There was a huge division uh, amongst the Jewish people, uh, about this, this man, Jesus Christ, uh, who had claimed to be the Messiah and had just recently, uh, only 50 days ago, uh, been killed by the Romans, crucified, put to death, uh, but at the instigation of his own people, uh, the people that he, um, uh, of whom he was a member and, and who had explicitly rejected him, calling for his crucifixion. Uh, we, it was, a, a a society which basically ever since Babel uh, is, has experienced uh, an inability for of the, the inability of people to understand one another. Uh, if if uh, because if you if you look at what happens in the in at Pentecost, it's a deliberate reversal of what happened at Babel. Uh, when when uh, after the great cataclysm of the of the flood. Uh, the people, uh, the human race is starting to expand again, and uh, they they make bricks for themselves, uh, and uh, they they d- find that these bricks are really great great for making towers, and so they decide, okay, well we're going to use this technology that we have to unify us, uh, the, and this technology, this great new technology of bricks and towers, is going to be what keeps us together. And of course, in the in the story at that point, God says, "No, it's not," and He confuses the language, and they are no longer able to communicate with one another or understand one another, and they stop building the tower. Uh, I think there's a couple of interesting parallels that we that we can look at here. One is in our current society, we are still obsessed with technology unifying us. Technology is the great thing that's going to bring us all together. And it's going to make us one, and we will be strong and powerful and united by technology. Maybe, uh, but we also see, uh, conversely, the effects of what uh, of the confusion of language. Uh, I think at this point in our cultural history, uh, our language is becoming ever more confused, and people are becoming ever less able to understand one another, even when we do speak the same language, theoretically. Um, and, and so we see these divisions sort of multiplying in our society. 
Uh, and so in many respects, I see that the situation that we here at St. John's are encountering uh, in terms of, of culture, in ter- the, the culture that surrounds us uh, and that we are a part of, the, the culture that, that, that is uh, uh, divided ar- around us, uh, a culture that is, that is focused on technology it, as, it, and as a, as a unifying measure is one that, that you know, it, there's, there's some significant parallels there between what we are experiencing here and now at St. John's and what the apostles in the early church uh, were experiencing uh, as they met together uh, uh, in the upper room in Jerusalem, waiting for uh, uh, waiting for the coming of the Holy Spirit, uh, and it's amazing to see what happens at this moment in the church's history, because this is really the birthday of the church. Uh, this is when the church began as the church, as the ecclesia, with the apostles leading the people of God into uh, communion with uh, with one another and ultimately with God. So I think it's important then for us to take a look at here and now at what actually happens at Pentecost. The first thing that happens is they're all meeting together. They're all in one place and they're all in one accord. It doesn't necessarily mean that they all totally agreed with one another on every aspect of everything that they were that they that they were encountering, but it was something that they were doing in obedience to the command of their Lord and God and Savior Jesus Christ. They had heard from Jesus the last words that he said to them. Uh, uh, among those last words were that they should wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit in Jerusalem. And that's what they were doing. They were, they, they, they were regularly meeting together. They were regularly praying in this upper room, about 120 of them. And uh, it was at that moment, as they were meeting and praying together in that upper room, that they heard the sound of a great rushing wind. And the Holy Spirit came upon them uh, and lit upon each and every one of them with little tongues of fire. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they rushed out into the streets and they just started. And this is the second thing that I think we need to, 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 to focus on. They just started to talk about the wonderful things that God had done in their lives, the amazing things that they had seen, the amazing way in which Jesus Christ and how uh, had, had transformed their understanding of the world and the universe around them. And they were just talking about this. And it was at that moment, as they were doing that, that the miracle occurred, the miracle of Pentecost. Because as they were expressing the mighty works of God, Everyone who was there, and there were a lot of people there for the great feast of Pentecost, Jews from all over the diaspora, the, the, the scattered all over the world, who had grown up in all sorts of different cultures, with all sorts of different languages, and every single person there heard the apostles speaking in their own native tongue in which they had grown up. 
which is, of course, always near and dear to our hearts. Uh, it has, it resonates in a way that, that, you know, if you, ha- if you do know a second language, it, it never quite resonates in the same way. Uh, and so, um, these three things that, that the apostles were doing are, I think, the core of what we need to keep on doing in order to, first of all, experience the unity that the Holy Spirit brought to them, but also in, in order to experience that fullness of the Holy Spirit that will, that will transform not only us, but as St. Seraphim Sarov says, all of those around us. And I've already mentioned the three things, but I think it's worth circling back to them. First of all, we need to be in obedience to Christ. We need to be meeting regularly together, all together, all in one accord. That does not mean that we all necessarily always agree with one another. Doesn't even mean necessarily that we all like one another, although we are called to love one another. Uh, But it does mean that we come together and we await the coming of the Holy Spirit. We do this in obedience to Christ. This is why our religion Christianity as a religion helps us. Religion, of course, has the same uh, root as the word regulation, rule. We adopt this coming together and having communion with one another as our rule of faith. And and, And we do it not necessarily because we're, as I say, we're always in agreement with one another, or even that we always like one another. We do this because this is our rule that we are doing in order to obey the one whom we all know as our Lord and God and Savior, Jesus Christ. We know his teachings are life-giving. We know his teachings are true. So that even when they are difficult or challenging or we don't always understand them or I really would rather not be with this person at this time, we still obey. Just as the apostles obeyed. The second thing, of course, is that they were waiting. They were waiting for the coming of the Holy Spirit. They were open. Their hearts were looking to God for direction, for comfort, for truth. Because our Lord had said that the Holy Spirit would be the one who would lead them into all truth. And so as they were there in obedience, as they were there in this attitude of openness, of waiting, of seeking the truth, that's when the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And then what happens? What is their focus? Their focus is they're so enamored of, enthusiastic about Uh, the wonderful things that God has done in them, in their lives, as they obey, 
as they are open to the coming of the Holy Spirit, as they experience the Holy Spirit, that they can't help but go out and share it with all those around them. One of the things I've shared before in, in, in some of my homilies is, is my own experience of um, division from my own uh, friends and family when I became Orthodox, uh, and just how important it, it was I totally didn't understand or, or, or imagine how important it would be uh, when shortly thereafter, I mean, I, I knew it was important, uh, shortly thereafter, uh, my wife and I had been married for a while, and our first child came along. And in, he came into this, 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 this uh, Scenario where we weren't able to talk about anything because our our differences seemed to loom too large. There was nothing that we could communicate on about that could unify us. But here, at last, was something that was that that whatever the divided us, this was more important. This was more amazing and life giving and significant, and and that. Focus that change in focus was what enabled the 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 broken relationships to be healed and for us to be able to actually talk to one another and understand one another and communicate with one another. Well, this is exactly the same phenomenon here, except even more significant, because what was unifying the church, what was unifying the followers of Jesus Christ, was. Simply their awe and their wonder at what he had done for them, what he had done in their lives, how transformative that was. And they were inspired by the Holy Spirit to go out and share that. And it was through that, through that obedience, through that openness, and through the wonder of just the amazing things that Christ had accomplished in their lives and had done for them, that the Holy Spirit was able to come upon them, to unify them, and to work this amazing miracle in them where they could speak into a divided society. They could speak into a society that was that 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 had put its faith in in authority and technology they could speak into a society that was divided in terms of language where nobody understood one another and the holy spirit was able to work through them and in them in uh, and flow out of them like rivers of living water to change the hearts of those around them to convict them of sin and truth and to bring all of them into fellowship with the all of those who heard and who were convicted by the Holy Spirit and who cried out, Sirs, what must we do to be saved? 3,000 of them were baptized that very day. Peter's response was, well, repent and be baptized for the remission of sins in the name of Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. And they did. 3,000 of them. 
and it just kept growing. Our society is confused. It's looking for ways to be united. It's looking for ways to overcome division and misunderstanding. But in the process, it's just multiplying those because it doesn't understand it needs that it needs the Holy Spirit of God. It needs to come to repentance. It needs to acknowledge the truth. It needs the life-giving heart of the church, which is the Holy Spirit, which enables us to, uh, to love one another, enables us to understand one another, and as we are united in love and understanding, it reverses that dependence on technology and that, that uh, misunderstanding of one another that have plagued us as human beings since the Tower of Babel. That's why we're here. That's why even as we face uncertainty about the future of our parish, where are we going to meet? Where are we going to, what, what, how are we going to worship? What are we going to do? We're maybe concerned, but we're not cast down. We're not crushed because we know that the one whom we love and whom we are listening to and whom we are trying to obey it will continue to unite us in whatever trials and tribulations that we experience because we experience them together. Because we know together the amazing work that he is doing in us. And because this is the life-giving fountain that is needed here and now. That those who are seeking the truth, those who are convicted of sin and, and, and want to come to God may have uh, a way back through repentance, through baptism, through the coming of the Holy Spirit, to his glory, the glory of the Father and of the Son, the Holy Spirit, now and ever and unto ages of ages.